0: Welcome to the Get a Life podcast with Pastor Brandon. This podcast is all about um, to talk in the center around the life that Jesus offers us. Uh, John 10.10 10 says the enemy is out to steal from you, to kill from you, to destroy you. But Jesus says I'm here to give you life, to give you life abundantly, to give you life with the fullness, to give you life with purpose. So we're going to discuss how we can get that life that Jesus talks about and we're just going to be real and... You know say get a life so we'll be back in a few seconds with today's episode so today on the get a life podcast we're going to talk about the importance of being in the throne room uh with god uh if we're going to um get a life we're also gonna have to spend time with him um to understand what purpose and reason He has for us. Um, Everyone who's listening to this has been created for such a time as this. Um, You have purpose, you have reason. may not always feel like it, but you do. So we're going to look at um, eight verses, and then we're going to talk about them. Um, Isaiah 6, 1 through 8 is what we'll be looking at Um, today as we talk about getting into the throne room with god and what a credible opportunity because of jesus jesus said he came to give life and because of this life because of what jesus did at the cross what jesus did at the uh, tomb um we can come into a holy of holies we can come into the throne room of a holy god and just have uh communion and conversation with him um, be connected t- to him one of his hebrew names of god is jehovah which simply means a relational god that god uh, desires relationship so let's just see what's going on in isaiah 6 uh, for the purpose of this um, broadcast i will typically use the nlt the new living translation has nothing against any error translation i just like the way that it's worded and um i've never been a super smart person i'm not the knifest i'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer you could say uh but um so um the nlt just kind of flows well and it's easy for me to understand and to read um there's sometimes i like the king james just because the way that you know it's just ingrained in me over the years of you know being in church but um and in some of the ways the King James words things is more poetic. But for this broadcast, we'll be looking at Isaiah chapter 6 that says this, that it was the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was setting on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were, were mighty serapents, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their face, with two wings they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And they were calling out to to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations and the entire building was filled with smoke verse 5 then i said it's all over i am doomed for i am a sinful man i have filthy lips and i live a month of people with filthy lips yet i have seen the king the lord of Ev- heaven's armies and then one of the serpents flew to me with a burned coal he had taken from the altar with a part of with a pair of tongues he touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. And then I heard the Lord asking, Whom shall we send as a messenger to the people? Who will go for us? I said, Here am I. Send me. So the first thing that we, we need to talk about in these first uh, in these eight verses out of Isaiah 6 is um, where was Isaiah uh, the answer is obvious he was in the throne room he was in the throne room of God was this a, a was this a vision or was this a actual event um, with the context of the scripture letting us know that that the angel had a interaction with him and and, then put and put a burning coal on his lips and and so this would indicate that it was most likely a real event it's not a vision not really a dream but really experience that he experienced um if we're going to get a life with jesus we're going to have to spend time in the throne room with god you know there's always a place that we want to be some days we don't want to be here wherever you're at um, in your home, in your workplace, in whatever you're going through, in your marriage, in your whatever situation you're facing. There's times that you just want to be somewhere else. You ever just woke up and said, I'd just rather be at the beach right now, or I'd just rather be at the mountains right now, or i rather be not at work right now, or i rather not be doing chores right now. We've all been there before to where we don't want to be somewhere, um, or we want to be somewhere else, Um, You can look at both ways. I don't want to be here or I definitely want to be there Um, You know, a lot of us love vacations and when we're not on vacation, we want to be on vacation and so um, But we need to be at a place spiritually where we want to be in the throne room the sad reality is in today's American Christian Church culture is that a lot of us are Part-time and we're not always where we should be in our spiritual walk We we're not always at the throne room. We're not always getting a life that Jesus has offered us Because we just want to be part-time Christians. We only want half of what God is offering us Listen The kingdom of God is not hiring part-time the kingdom of God is hiring Full time, and so we shouldn't just be part-time Christians, or just Christians on Sunday, or Christians on or on Wednesday, or whenever your midweek service may be. Um, but we should be Christians all the time, and we should be uh, we should be engaged in the things that God is doing in the in the kingdom building, in whatever ministry that He has for you. We should be doing that all the time. We should be full time. Too many of us are just concerned about. Um, about about being saved from hell. We want fire insurance. We don't want to go to hell. You won't meet anybody that says, "Yes, I want, I want to, I want to burn in hell forever." You won't meet anybody like that. But there's some other things that God offers us. Where Jesus says, I came to give life, and I came to give you purpose, and some of us are not interested in trading my old life for my new life. Some of us are not trading for to have real purpose. Some of us just want to be saved from our sins, but... That's where we mess up at, because God offers us so much more than this fire insurance. He offers us so much more. When Jesus said, I came to give life, he really meant that he has came to renew your mind. He has came to transform you. He has, you know, he has came to just give you purpose and give you reason for why you're breathing, why your heart is beating, um, to give your heart something to beat for. And, And so, where do I find this at? You may say, Pastor Brown, where do I find this at? Where do I, what you're talking about? Where do I find it at? Well, you find it in the throne room. Because in the throne room, in our prayer time, in our time where we're just listening to God, you know, sometimes prayer is talking, uh, but sometimes prayer is listening. And so we must learn the ways of the Lord. If you're married, I'm sure that you or you should know your spouse very well. If, if you're a female listening, you should know your husband very well. If you're a male listening, you should know your wife very well. Um, And you should continue to want to get to know them. You know what really aggravates them. I know what really royally ticks my wife off. But I also know what makes my wife happy. I also know what, what pleases my wife. I know what her favorite restaurants are. I know what her favorite colors are. I know, you know what she likes to do in our free time. Why do I know that? Because I have spent time with her to get to know her better. Um, the same way, if we're going to get in a throne room, if we're going to get a life, then we have to continuously learn or get to know the Lord better. Some of us are not some of us are not living up to our full potential simply because we don't know the lord in a personal intimate way we may know of the lord but we don't know the lord um a couple years ago uh, me and my wife went to the nascar hall of fame and for all you nascar fans that are listening to this podcast i happened to walk right by dale Jarrett, who's a former race car driver Um, and so i didn't know what to say so when i walked by i said hey dale And he said, hey. And we kept walking. And my wife said, well, who is that? Well, it it was a famous race car driver. Now, I knew his name, but he didn't know me. Um, Some of us know of God, but don't know God. And, And therefore... Just like if we encounter a celebrity, a, a maybe somebody, maybe your favorite singer, your favorite actor, your favorite athlete, you may know their name, but you may know their stats, you may know some of their songs, you may know some of their movies, but you don't you don't know anything about them in a personal, intimate level, and so a lot of us are walking around. That know of God that don't know God. So we have to come to a place where we know him more personally. And we do that through prayer. And sometimes, like I said, sometimes that's talking. And sometimes that's listening. And God has more to say to me and you than we have to say to him. So we got to get to a place where we know him personally personally just like Moses, you know, God called Moses to help lead the people out of Egypt and, you know, to lead the people to the promised land. And if you read the book of uh, Numbers um, and they're in the wilderness, um, the Hebrew people believe that you can hear from God more in the wilderness than you could in the city. Um, Their word wilderness is, is, uh, is, is more translated in English as desert. And it means the place of the word. Um, if we want to hear from the Lord, then we got, because sometimes when we're in the busy of life, when we're in our daily routine, we get so busy and we get so distracted that we can't hear from the Lord. But sometimes we just got to take a time out. Sometimes we got to get into the desert and in the wilderness in our own spiritual life where every distraction is is away. Sometimes we have to unplug our phones. Sometimes we have to get off social media. Sometimes we have to get away from our spouse and our kids and, and you know, sometimes just take a time out. Sometimes, maybe it's in the morning, maybe it's sometime at night. Um, I know what personally works for me is waking up extra early to make sure that i have prayed and studied and searched the scriptures and really try to find god in that day so when my little two-year-old wakes up she's not being an extraction to me um so we have to get to a place where we know god more um to be in the throne room and when we spend time in the throne room you learn the ways of the lord um we won't never move forward until i start to understand him better when i understand what he uh, requires of me what he commands me to d- do but also the more that i can learn to think like him and to act like him the more that i will be like god and less like the world cuz that's all we're trying to do uh, we use fancy words um in the church world uh, one of them is sanctification, and a lot of people don't know what that word means, but it simply means that I am continuously growing, that I am being daily. I am being more like my Father and less like the world. Uh, verse 1, if, you're, if you got your Bibles, Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1 said that um, the first thing Isaiah noticed what was the first thing Isaiah noticed? That God was on the throne. Now, in context, Isaiah was worried about the king dying. He, uh, th- that that King Uzziah died. And so now things were going to change. Things were going to be different. Um, maybe... You know, that, that now there's going to be a new king and, and it was just uncertain what was going to happen in life and what was going to you know, happen in, in Isaiah's day. And so you could say he was a little worried. You could say he was a little stressed out. You know, when the king died, maybe he felt like it was game over. So you could say that Isaiah was worried um maybe there's something that you're worried about maybe you say well pastor brandon i'm not worried about who the king is or who the president is or who or who or even who the mayor of my city is uh but there are some things you are worried about regardless um if it if it if it's not the king or the president or some kind of a, uh political or spiritual leader there is something that you're concerned about Today, As you listen to this broadcast, as you listen to this podcast, there is something that is bothering you. There is something that is keeping you up at night. There is something that you're worried about that could be a marital problem, a financial problem, a health problem, a spiritual problem, emotional problem. Uh, You fill in the blank. You know what that situation is. And I'm simply here today in this Get A Life podcast to remind us... that the situation is not in, in charge of you. That when things look crazy, when chaos looks like it's winning, when it when when you can when you can list more bad things in your life than you can good things in your life. And when you just want to throw in the towel, I just wanna say don't. Simply don't. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up The situation is not in charge of you, even if it looks bad, because this text reminds us that even when there was uncertain time in Isaiah's day, what is the first thing that he noticed? Listen, this is why we need to get to the throne room. What is the first thing he noticed when he got to the throne room is that? God was still on the throne, and whatever your situation is, as you're listening to this, maybe you're listening to this uh, right after I recorded it, maybe you're listening to this five years from now, but whenever you're listening to this, be reminded that God is still on the throne. There's a little kid song that I've been singing in my worship time just along with God, and that is, He has the whole world in His hands. That I don't have to worry, I don't have to be stressed out. Yes, it's human nature. Yes, it, yes, there are things that I'm insecure about, there are things that I'm worried about, there are things that I don't know exactly what the future looks like long term. Um, but he does, and so that's just the flesh speaking. And so I gotta put my eyes on him and realize and be reminded that hey. God's got this. God is on the throne. It's easy to ask the question, God, where are you? There's numerous people in the Bible who ask the same question. God, where are you? I'm reminded of John 11 where Jesus' friend Lazarus was sick, but Jesus didn't show up, and then he died. And then Jesus finally showed up four days later, and then Mary and Martha, Lazarus' brother or sister, was not too happy with Jesus. Uh, that Jesus showed up and they said Jesus was late uh, First off, Jesus is never late, but they thought he was late. That's just the, that's this that's just how our mind works If God doesn't show up when I said he should then he's late and he's wrong, but Jesus brought him back from the dead because listen he doesn't work on your schedule he doesn't work on my schedule listen Jesus even though it looked like he was four days late if me and you would be four days late to our job we would be fired but Jesus was four days late to come into town and Lazarus still came back from the dead because Jesus doesn't work on my situation your situation you said well Pastor Brandon what are you trying to say what I'm trying to say is hold on because he is still on the throne and the second part of verse 1 in Isaiah 6 says that his train fills the temple now this so you understand the context of this a king's train will let them know how how powerful how strong they was the longer his train was that was attached to his robe the more authority, or the more power he has. But it says when Isaiah went to the throne room, he noticed that God's train filled the temple. That that speaks of his dominance. That speaks of his authority. That speaks of his power. And in verse three, the seraphims are seen singing a song, saying, "Holy, holy, holy is the Lord." Now, was they saying it three times because they were stuttering? Was they saying it three times because it wasn't a very good worship song? No in the Hebrew language they would repeat it over and over and over for emphasis it would be similar to if you had your bible and you took a yellow highlighter and highlighted something you would do that to remember it you would do that to bring emphasis to it so next time you looked at it it was it would just stick out to you well they would say holy 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 is the lord cuz they want they wanted everybody that could hear this song of praise to be reminded that look that the lord is holy there's one of the murder big words in the Bible that we really sometimes have a hard time understanding. What does it mean that God is holy? Well, the word holy simply means to be set apart. That means God is perfect, that God is sinless. Um that, that God is holy. See, too many times we uh we live in a society where we try to create a God that looks like us and acts like us and thinks like us. And what happens is we eventually start worshiping. Uh, the God that we made up and what we really do is we end up worshiping ourselves Because it's easier to make up a God that looks like me that thinks like me than it is to, uh To serve a God that we fully don't always understand I say this all the time and I'll say it to I'm blue, blue in the face A God that you can fully understand is really not God at all We would rather lower God's standards Than to come up to his standards because it's just easier. But God also says, Be holy for I am holy. We're not being holy when we try to bring God down to our to our gunk and junk and to our mess. But we're supposed to go up to him. We're supposed to raise our standards to where he's at. John chapter six, verse sixty six. That should be easy for you to remember. John six 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 says from that time on many of his followers turned back to their old ways of living and would not go along with him no more they said that Jesus' teachings are too hard his standards are too hard too many times we would rather worship a god that we've created in our minds than worship the god from the bible simply because it's easier but we will never have any spiritual growth. We would never really experience uh, the life that Jesus speaks of in John 10.10 10, if we simply just create our own doctrine, simply create our own Bible, simply create our own God. All we're really doing is worshiping the man and the woman in the mirror. We need to pursue holiness. Uh, I done said it, but I'll say it again. God said, be holy for I am holy. Um, we live in a culture where it says chase after happiness. But happiness is too many times like a cat or a dog that chases its tail. It goes in circle after circle after circle, not reaching happiness. Because every time we have happiness, I need more college degrees. I need more money at work. I need more uh, this. I need more and that. But when we find happiness, holiness when we start chasing after holiness and we start going up to god's standard and we start applying the things that god's word says in our own personal life then we start to find that life that jesus talks about where he says i came to give you life abundantly i came to give you life fully we start to see that there is so much more to that than there is happiness Listen, happiness is too easily taken away. We get the word happiness from the root word happen. Happiness really it really is based around um what is happening in my life. Listen. In the Bible, happiness is only found 30 different times. The word joy is found the word 300 times. When we come to Jesus, when we come to have life in Jesus, we have joy. Um Happiness is too easy taken away what makes me happy this second I could be unhappy the next second um, Happiness is too easily taken away if I'm late for work. I'm unhappy if I have a flat tire I'm happy if I spill coffee on my white shirt I'm unhappy but you can have the joy of the Lord on the good days and the bad days when I have that life that Jesus speaks up, when I get a life that life that Jesus speaks up in John 10 10 then the joy of the Lord is with me in the good days and bad days because When I have a flat tire, I still have the joy of the Lord. When I spilt coffee on my shirt, I still have the joy of the Lord. When I'm late for work, I still have the joy of the Lord. So if joy is found in the Bible 300 times and happiness is only found 30 times, what do you think is more important to God? When we realize that God is holy or God is perfect, we also understand His will is perfect. That's His plan. His will is His plan. And we should want to follow His will, His plan. I, I came across this um, a couple years ago. In Romans twelve two. I always focus on the first part where it says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the part that everybody clings to. But the second part says this, that the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good, what is acceptable, and listen, and perfect will of God. Too many times our plans get interrupted. Too many times our plans fall apart. Too many times our plans fail. It says His will is perfect. So what's the problem? Our plans are not His plans. When our plans fall apart, when our plans doesn't work the way we think they should, it's simply because we are following our will and not His will. We have let selfish desires get in the way to where To where God is calling me to do this. But you know what? I really want to do that. So if his will is perfect. If his plan is perfect. Then maybe. And maybe I'm just oversimplifying it this today. But maybe we need to stick to his plan. And when we spend time in the throne room. Remember this episode is all about. spending time in the throne room. When we spend time in the throne room. We realize how much it's not about me and you. But how much it is about him. In the throne room. We regain our focus on who God is because too many times our standard on who God is is dropped because we get numb to it Because we get focused and distracted on everything else There was a study done a while back that said that water Used to boil at what they considered a hundred Celsius, but now they think it's actually scientifically It's actually 99.97 So the standard has kind of lowered we even lower our standards over time in relationships or jobs. If you think when you first got your job, you were three hours early and you had a you 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 were you were well rest, rested and you had your hair all fixed and you had a nice outfit on and you just looked the part. But now, if you worked there for ten years, now you're a little late sometimes. Now it looks like you just jumped out of bed. Now your hair is a mess. Now your outfit's a mess. Maybe you didn't get the best night's sleep last night, and now you're not as prepared as you used to be. Um, same way in relationships well, to where we used to care a lot about when we first started going to date with our, our now husband and wife, we wanted to impress that person. We wanted that person to like us, so we dressed up hard. We took them to the nicest restaurant. We ate the best food. Um, we had the best time. But now, over time... Where used to, I would always go to that restaurant because that's the restaurant she wanted to go to. Now I would say I don't want to go there because I'm comfortable in telling her that now. Um, I remember when I first met Jenny, uh, she wanted to cook me a pizza and she forgot about it. And before you know it, that pizza was black and she was just crying because she left it in the oven too long and just forgot about it and was just crying. And so we just started dating. I didn't want to hurt her feeling so. I said, we'll eat the burnt pizza. Now, after being married, going on five years, um, you know, if you burn a pizza now, I don't want to eat burnt pizza. Let's call dominoes. Let's go, you know, let's go somewhere. Uh, once we spend time, you know, so our relationship standards drop, um, you know, and, 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 and over time things drop. So I wonder, let me challenge us today. Does it happen that way to God too? If I don't spend as much time in the throne room as I used to, does my standard now drop? So once we spend time in the throne room, we get back to the realization that, hey, he is still, keyword, still on the throne. That his, tr- that his train still fills the temple. That he still has the authority. That he is still holy. And we can regain our focus on God the Father. So in the first few chapters of Isaiah, Isaiah is 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 speaking to a group of people and he is going around saying, Woe is this group, woe is that group. But in verse 5, we say, we see that that now Isaiah is focused on his behavior and who he is as a person. And when he does that, he says, Woe is me. That that woe is me. Listen, when we try to compare our holiness to others, our good works to others, you know, we try to we try to defend ourselves and say, well, I'm not I'm not doing everything I need to do um, in my spiritual walk, but I'm way better than that person i'm way better than that cat but when we compare ourselves to a holy god we realize that we had just missed the mark that we had just dropped the ball um in the throne room we realize that we realize that it's not about me comparing to someone else but when i am compared to a holy god i just realize hey i don't have it together like i think i do We can't compare ourselves to others. You know, that's the biggest distraction. That I say, I'm better than this group, or I'm better than this person, or I'm way better than this person. But God is not asking you to compare yourself to this person or that person. But when we compare ourselves to his standard, we realize, hey, we've dropped the ball. Sometimes we get stuck in this holiness arrogance where we just we forget that once I, you know, we look at this one person and say, Man, this person really struggles with it. But we forgot that I used to struggle with that too, and God redeemed me, that God delivered me from it. We look at that person and say, I can't believe that person smokes cigarettes, I can't believe that person's cusses like a sailor. I can't believe that person does drugs, I can't believe that person drinks, I can't believe that person treats his wife that way. But then we remember that once we were lost and once we were like that, and God redeemed us and God changed us. and we we gotta get out of that holy arrogance where we think that, look what I'm doing, look what I'm doing. It's truly really like, it's truly really about, hey, look what God is doing. And in the throne room is where we become cleansed. In verse 7, it says in the King James, thy iniquity is taken away and thy sin is purged. You know, lost I was once I was lost in my sins. One once I was just marching right straight into hell. But God, but God. But God showed up. And now, instead of marching straight into hell, I'm marching straight into heaven. Not anything I'm doing, not anything I've done, but what he has done through me. And what he has done by sending Jesus, you know, John 3.16. If you don't know it, you've probably never been to church. But John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Before we can so... We got to remember one thing, that once I was lost, but now I am found. Why? Because of God, where I was walking right into hell, but God. And we always speak of mass revivals. We always say we want revival to touch over my community. I want revival to touch over my county. I want revival to touch over my home, my workplace, my country, this world. And we all want those things. If you really understand what revival is, yes, you 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 should be praying that. You should be wanting that. You should be seeking that to happen but before you can have mass revival you must have personal revival God came to a prophet named Jonah and said go to Nineveh which was a wicked place was a very wicked place and Jonah ran did you know when you run from God, you'll run right back into him? That he ran from God into God. And before he could go to a place to preach revival, to, uh, to encourage revival, he had to be revived himself. Now, it took a belly of a whale to teach Jonah a lesson. Hopefully, it doesn't take that for you and me. But before there can be mass revival, we must have personal revival. Revival must start with me and you. It must not start in a big if you want if you want the world to be a better place you need a better country for the country to be better you need a better state for a better state you have to have a better county to have a better county you got to have a better community to have a better community you got to have a better house to have a better house you got to have a better you revival starts with me and you god had a message and God said in verse, hey, who shall I send? God had a message for the lost culture. I have a message. Who shall I send? The same God that saves us is the same God that sends us. Let me say that for one sitting in the back. God, the same God that saves us is the same God that sends us. It's about boldness. It's about confidence. When I spend time in a throne room, then I have confidence and boldness that I've spent time with God. And I know what God wants me to do. And if God has a message for the masses, for the people, then I want to be as bold and as confident as Isaiah and say, Lord, send me. When we go into the throne room, we come out with boldness. So... To, as we wind down this episode of the podcast, we have to remember that sometimes there's attractional ministry and sometimes they are miss- or, uh, missional ministry. And there's always that debate where you have one group of people who say attractional ministry where we need a, to do things that are attracting people to come to God. We have one group of people who say missional. We got to be missional. We got to be like missionaries. The Bible supports both. Um, Jesus said, come and see. You want to see what I'm doing? Come and see. That's attractional ministry. Later on when he had his disciples, he said to to go. The Great Commission is to go. So sometimes we have to be attractional and sometimes we have to be missional. But it all starts in the throne room. If I want to do either one, attractional or missional, then I got to spend time in the throne room. The, there are three type of people that are, there are three type of people that are listening to this broadcast today. Maybe you're the one who needs to remember that God's on the throne and God is holy. Maybe you think your life is a mess. Maybe you think that you're in chaos right now. Just be reminded, friend, God's on the throne. Just remember that God is holy, that God is not a mess like we are sometimes, but He got it all together and he's working everything through. If I can pray for you, just reach out to me. The second kind of person who's listening to this podcast is 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 God is sending you personal revival. Before you can help anyone else, you need to be revived. You need to be renewed. If I can pray for you, reach out to me. God is sending revival in your life, whoever you may be. And the last one is God is calling people out to send his message. If God has placed a message place a burden of a message in your heart then be like Isaiah and say Lord send me and if I can pray for you just reach out to me and share this broadcast with someone that you think it could help that it could touch and we're praying for you and we thank you for listening we'll be back in a couple of days for episode 3. <music>